Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Live, Liz Markey. Welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast. Thank you very much, Eric. I'm delighted to be here. Delighted to have you. Uh, this is this is going to be fantastic. I, you know, now that I've lived here, uh, you know, for in the Flathead Valley, Montana, for you know the better part of uh, four years, I would say uh, your name comes up all the time. You must know so many people around this area. Everyone's like, "Well, you should meet Liz." I'm like, "I know her." <laughs> Well, I think that actually has a lot to do with my um, my time in service. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Anything else. Then, well, it's it's a pleasure to have you on here, and I think uh, I, I would love to. You, you've given me some of your background, but I would love to hear more about all of the the cool things you've done, your backstory, and um, you've really been a pioneer in so many different ways. So, yeah, give us give us some of your background, Liz. You know, um, I grew up in Auburn, Alabama. My father was a research engineer who built and invented things, um, a lot of things for the space program. So I think the experiences that we have in our childhood, we don't understand until much later how they impact us. Um, And while I was not particularly interested in building things like he did, just looking at the world, I always was very curious and asked a lot of questions. And I think I was probably ADHD, but we didn't get diagnosed back then as that because I just seemed to be interested in a wide range of things and not and how they related to each other. Um, And we didn't use words like ecosystem when we talked about learning or experiences, but, you know, sort of that's background fast forward. I mean, I had five children. Uh, I went to a wonderful women's college in Virginia uh, at a wonderful time when I had a great opportunity to do a lot of uh, trial and error and discovery about lots of subjects. And um, I had actually gone to college to be a math major. I was very good in math. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I had no connection. Math to me had no connection to a career that I was interested in at the time. Um, the internet had not been invented yet. Let's put it that way. I remember the first time I saw the internet being invented. I mean, being Me too. demonstrated, which was at a board meeting uh, where we connected with the library at Stanford. It was very exciting. But, you know, that things like that, uh, and I hated the library because I hated the time that it took to find the book. I loved the book, but I didn't like that part. So, the internet for me was just magical from day one. Um, 
But I left the workforce in uh, 19, let's see, 1992. And um, actually 1982, I left the workforce, was out 13 years, worked at a bank, no computer, went back to work, everybody had computers and they were really far along. So (laughs) You know, it it just was a transformative uh, time saver. It could be better. So I got a weird call out of the blue one day from a headhunting firm that said, don't you vacation out West? Wouldn't you like to go interview for this startup economic development organization in Kalispell, Montana? And I was like, no. And then I went, well, why not? So I did. I came out here and I've been here 20 years. I got to do the... A, a startup that was the first privately funded economic development group in the state. And so we had a very different mission, which was sort of based on three things. One was um, access to capital um, because there was zero equity capital in the state at the time. Two was um, marketing because nobody knew Montana had much going on in the business area outside of timber and mining And then three was innovation and entrepreneurship because I had come from an organization and a state that, and a region that spent millions of dollars on incentives to get people to move companies from another state. And that seemed like a really zero sum game to me in a global economy. And two, I thought the technology brought an opportunity for Montana to compete and raise wages. That was actually one of my big metrics was raising wages. And while we are still not where Montana ought to be nationally in terms of per capita income or wages, the tech industry has grown to be a billion and a half dollar part of our economy from zero over the last 20 years. And the wages in the tech industry are about twice what they are in other sectors in our state, in many other sectors. So, and that's actually what seeded my interest in equity capital, because equity capital funds generally the kinds of innovations that um, pay higher wages because they bring more value to the marketplace. So that's kind of a long story, but that's was sort of the big picture thinking. And then from that, you know, I've spent... 20 years, you know, growing the organization, uh, helping start some entrepreneur groups, but most importantly, seeding the first angel network in the state um, that closed in 2006. So, yeah, you've been, you, you've been doing a lot. Yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many questions that I just want to poke on in there, but I think, um, so when you mentioned, you know, uh, billions of, you know, or billion or so dollars of, of tech in Montana, who are some of the bigger tech players in Montana? Well, certainly uh, the very first big technology play in Montana really was Semitool, which uh, applied materials it now has acquired in Kalispell. And they were sort of on the, they were a chip maker and actually had some very, in, lots of patents around uh, coatings technology and washing of wafers. Um, so that was the very first. And then right now really was the second large one that Greg Gianforte, now our governor, founded in Bozeman, and that brought Oracle to the table. And both of those companies, you can see from the beginning how many 
downstream opportunities have been created by the group of founders and early employees at those companies that now have gone on to start other technology companies. So um, that's been, you know, that was huge. Um, I actually did a very poor job at due diligence in 2000 because I got on the internet and I figured that, wow, Semi-Tools and Kalispell, there must be a whole bunch of tech companies, right? Not, there weren't very many tech companies. So uh, Ray had really, you know, done the beachhead island on that side. But, you know, like some of the the person who really worked, ran Semi-Tool for years is now running Proof Research, which my boss, Mike Gogan, um, has founded, which is in, you know, a materials, uh, second, you know, cutting edge materials technologies. So right now, and then, there were some homegrown companies like Printing for Less that started in Bozeman. Um, one of the first biotech companies that got acquired in Montana was a company called um, uh, Ligocyte Pharmaceuticals that was required, acquired by Takeda. And a number of those employees are also now working in other companies. So, you know, it 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 is a flywheel sort of, but um, but right now, our tech economy is, um, I'm on the board of the High Tech Alliance, and, you know, we have hundreds of technology companies in Montana today. Uh, I think the companies where we really, uh, SaaS is probably our, our biggest sector when you look at the kinds of tech companies that we have. But, you know, as the world has changed, every company is a tech company to some extent, I mean, in their in their operating manner, um, but we are we are starting to see some real excitement in um, you know new technology new technology plays in the state. So I love that. Yeah, it is. It is changing. I mean, like I said, even in the the four something years I've been here, just seeing the the population shift and you know. Uh, more tech coming in. And, you know, one of the things that I, I want to make sure that we cover because you before recording, you're really excited to talk about it. And that's the, the biology revolution. Um, cause I know, you know, uh, tuber capital obviously is involved in a lot of that, but give me kind of the grand landscape of, of what, what you mean when you say that term. Well, so let's look at venture capital. First of all, okay. when equity capital, when it has gone from zero to about 400 million in Montana in 20 years. And most of that has happened in the last five years. And that's sort of an essential part of the the ecosystem. And as I looked at things, that's sort of the piece that I tried to really focus on. And as an angel investor, we did zero biotech investing because biotech requires a really specialized skill set to be able to invest well and wisely. For example, um, for years I would go down to Colorado because we we would have the one-off biotech company and you know observe and a good biotech company, a lot of their key partners would be MBAs, PhDs, MDs. <laughs> um, and in our firm, which Mike started, um, we have um, we have four, five, six PhDs in neurology, in structural biology, genetics, human machine interface. So the the founding of right now of of Two Bear Capital really allows us to capitalize on Montana's extraordinary history of biotech innovation. 
most people do not know that the immunization world, which is we know because of COVID is just incredibly important. We have some of the greatest immunology talent in the world. Um, Our first big Series A investment was in a company called Enimmune, which is now housed at the University of Montana. But the core research team had been at GlaxoSmithKline for many years together. And when Glaxo consolidated their research to another location, they didn't want to move. So they formed the Center for Translational Medicine and continue to operate as a company, but also several of their founders teach at the university. But that whole history is quite amazing. Um, Vaccines are delivered by something called adjuvants. And Hamilton, Montana, where Glaxo has their the world's their largest global manufacturing facility for vaccines is in Hamilton, Montana, which most people don't know either. But the reason they're there is because a company was founded there by a gentleman named Edgar Reby because the water and, and adjuvants can be both natural and synthetic, but the natural adjuvant needed a certain kind of water that they had in Hamilton. And there, then Rocky Mountain Labs was built there to try to develop a vaccine for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So Dr. Bloom, who runs Rocky Mountain Labs, reports directly to Dr. Fauci at the NIH. So they're a very important division of the National Institutes of Health. And just as a sidebar, um, one of the biggest differentiators in the United States in our higher education system is that our government is a huge funder of basic research. And research is the foundation for much innovation and new technology. And so having that NIH facility in immunology here in Montana is a tremendous asset for us in the biotech world, but to develop that, we have to have the necessary capital and expertise to build companies. And that is exactly what Tootbear has brought to our plate that is completely new. And I would just, it's a huge emerging opportunity. We have some other great assets like the research going on at Montana State and U of M. Also, McLaughlin Center in Great Falls, um, where Herb Weissman, who is a world-renowned biologist who's been at Stanford for 30 years. He grew up in Great Falls, but the, what the McLaughlin Center is, is uh, fondly called a mouse house. It's where people test their new theories, new methodologies, new, new drugs or whatever, and mostly in neurology. Um, That center is just a a world-renowned place, but most people don't know it even exists. So Tibair is just build beginning. And and what I love to do is, is, you know, put put people together and parts together because the sum of the parts is always greater than the whole. And if you have a kind of a shared vision of where you want to go, and Mike Gogan has a definite 50-year vision about what we're building as a firm that is going to be much more than just investments. So it really is the the dream job of my life to be able to to be a be part of building something that I think will, you know, do nothing but make lives healthier and 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 make people live longer and more robust lives. Uh, it's 
it's just very exciting. <laughs> yeah. It makes me wish I was a scientist, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is exciting. And for those listening uh, who maybe don't know what Two Bear Capital is, of course, you can go to twobearcapital.com. It's not hard to find. But what, what, is, what, is the, what is the firm? What is the company? Two Bear Capital is a tier one venture firm focused on bioinformatics, genetics, oncology, and neurology research, and how electrical engineering penetrates each of those areas to bring new solutions to disease and promote health and wellness. And I have learned something about venture capital that I've never thought about before. I loved angels because I always thought angel investors had an ulterior motive, and they do. When you're an angel, you know you you do want to do good, but you want to do well. But venture capital, if you do it well, which Mike Gogan has done very well in his career, when you have solutions that make lives better, you can impart those solutions to such broader populations. Your impact can be so much greater. And and when at the beginning of the firm, I'm the only other person on the firm who's ever done any investing other than Michael, which he did by design. He wanted to bring the best and brightest science together. We're teaching, he's teaching everybody how to do the investment part. But the real key is understanding how the science fits together, how neuro, how immunology fits with um, genetics, how you know synthetic biology fits with oncology, how they technically how they can interact. So that's the magic of our firm. And and Mike said, you know, he's a he's a well-known philanthropist in Montana. He's given away over $50 million in our state already and will do a, a significant uh, capital project here around biotech and whitefish uh, that will be on the philanthropy side. But he said, you know, I, I, I loved philanthropy, but he said that the idea of using venture capital to do something that was all about health and wellness. So while he's we he has the opportunity to see a lot of deals just to make money that's not our we're going to make money for sure but our filter is will it make lives better will it make the world a better place and i think that's a an incredible um culture to build within a firm and it's kind of the right place right time i mean we've been looking nationally and, and globally at what's going on and um, it's a, a lot of people are moving to this place, but Michael's unique theory is you must have the best science minds, um, in a room together talking about solutions and, and analyzing, you know, the platforms we're seeing. Yeah. Hmm. And then, so you have a very unique role and I, <clears throat> every time you explain it to me, I actually kind of envious cause I'm, I was thinking like, I would really like a role like that. So your job is, is community, right? It building is. a community of entrepreneurship and an ecosystem. And so explain to me, like what, how did you, how did they find you for this role? Cause you seem ideal for it. Uh, well, and then what is it that you do? And thank you very much. And Mike, actually, he began talking to me about his idea for doing this firm about three or four years ago. And he, he wasn't sure that there was enough. He wanted to do something impactful in Montana but he wanted to be sure there was enough sort of base opportunity here 
to justify basing the firm here. And so, you know, we talked a lot about the history and how it might look. And and he said, I want you to be part of the firm. I don't know what I want you to do. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mike, I'm, you know, I've been following Sequoia Capital since since I ever heard the word venture capital. And, you know, you sometimes there are things in life that you're, you're just suited for, but you don't even know what it is yet. So when he started, we started, I was like the third or fourth hire. And he said, why don't you just take the title chief marketing officer? Well, as the firm started to grow, I said, I don't want to do this because, you know, look at our website. I don't, it's not, I don't have the technical chops to keep up with today's marketing analytics. It's just not what I enjoy. I enjoy community. And Mike said, okay, let's just make you head of community engagement. And that kind of covers you getting to do sort of everything. Well, one of the things I get to do is Mike knows how hard it was for me when I moved here 20 years ago. Montana doesn't have corporations. So, I mean, very many. So it was really hard to raise money for, you know, events, to bring in world-class speakers, to build, you know, uh, organizations that would convene people together like the High Tech Alliance. So one of the things I get to do is give away money, which is just awesome, and support Montana's, um, we already have some amazing organizations like the High Tech Alliance, even our State Chamber of Commerce. So we're very engaged in Montana, but we also support organizations like Athena, which is uh, the largest women's organization. It's based in San Diego, supporting women in STEM and helping women found STEM-based companies. So that's one of the things I get to do. Um, I get to, I also do a lot. I still get to work a lot with entrepreneurs, which is my first love. Um, I love early stage. I love that idea of strategy and really, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, the assets you're going to need to grow. I love connecting entrepreneurs to other entrepreneurs that can help them or other resources. So we see, I mean, a lot of deals come across our transom that are not going to be anything we're looking at because we are really truly looking at companies that have massive impact. And it may be a great company, you know, it, it's all about what you want, but I get to work with those entrepreneurs and, you know, connect them to other resources because one of our cultures is, you know, we, ne- we ne- never want to touch anything in the community that we don't actually either give you a, a resource or a referral or, you know, some value add for what you're trying to do. So I do that. Um, One of the other things that we are going to be doing is connecting, um, is doing things to elevate science around the state. And actually our, our biggest focus this year and next is going to be women in STEM. So we've got a couple of irons in the fire. there, really trying to find out exactly how we can be most impactful because there are a lot of programs for that right now. And we don't want to duplicate, but like, for example, women researchers, I mean, our team is extremely available. And the other thing I'm also doing that I'm having a blast doing is um, researching all of the um, pioneers in biotechnology that have come from Montana and sort of what they've done, like um, Leroy, uh, Leroy Hood or um, Hillman, who invented most of the vaccines we use today. So just making, we're a, we're a Montana-based firm, but we are definitely distributed. We have two partners in San Diego, one in LA, two in Palo Alto, and two in Boston. 
And then there's six of us here. So, you know, I'm sort of the Montana community anchor, but also I have a role in the larger national community, um, judging pitch events, um, just, you know, building our brand. Um, so it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it does sound awesome. I mean, I, I, I totally understand the overall mission of it. I'm curious if we go granular, like when you wake up in the morning and you look at, you know, your professional life, what do you, what do you, what do you do during the day? Like what is, so there, what is your goal? Absolutely. I love that you say that because I get up every morning and go, oh my God, I'm the luckiest person on the planet because I get <laughs> to do awesome. what, what I believe needs to be done to foster the ecosystem. For example, the Montana High Tech Alliance, I'm on their board. We support them strongly. And I don't know if you've seen, we have been, the Alliance is not a lobbying organization, but we have just issued um, a statement on our website about legislation that addresses transgender issues. And our statement basically is about the support of diversity and the tech communities stand on diversity and inclusion. Um, And those kinds of statements take a lot of thoughtful time and a lot of, we love to hear from our members and our companies. So, you know, that's been something I've been involved with recently. Um, so writing, um, communication, uh, networking, uh, we do a lot of um, what I call meet and greets because one of my roles in the firm is to introduce, um, like we, this afternoon I have, when I'm done here, I'm going to be on the phone for an hour with uh, an Amgen executive who grew up in Montana who's going to do a tutorial for our team on how Amgen works with early stage companies. And so part of my homework the last couple of weeks has been looking at Amgen's uh, sort of total bucket of what they're doing, their drugs, what kind of, you know, companies they're investing in. So I build that community part. What I can't do really is the magic and the secret sauce is the science. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but, but the, the science sometimes doesn't, they're so focused and science is, is so dense, you know, takes, gosh, that our team, it's like getting a PhD every day, almost on, on that side of the house. Um, so just, I get to build the two bear family as Mike calls it, because, um, we want our brand. One of our brand promises is to be deeply engaged in, in good for our community. However we can. Oh. I love it. Yeah. It's such, it sounds like such a cool role. You know, well, it's I, here. it's the, it is my dream job. It's like the job, <laughs> like the job description. I, I, it's just like, oh, I know exactly what I need to do, <laughs> you know? When you, uh, I mean, you, you're obviously very competent at building a professional network. Um, did, when did you notice that you are good at that? And what do you, are you intentional with it? Like if you're going to give, you know, entrepreneurs and business or, or just people in general, you know, tips on just building a strong professional and personal network, what, what do you tell them? You know, I, 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 
never realized that is my superpower and I own it now, but it took me a long time. I've been that way since I went to kindergarten. I thought going to kindergarten was the most wonderful thing because I got to be with other people and I was just always genuinely curious at people's differences because you all think that you all grow up and when you're a child, I was just, I don't know. I just remember, and I, I did go to a lab kindergarten. So it was a college kindergarten. So I probably had a little bit different experience than a lot of people. But one of my, when I moved to Montana 20 years ago, I didn't know one soul here other than Max Bacchus, who had called and said, well, you need to take this job because I had worked with Max in a previous life when I was doing public policy in North Carolina. I did not know a soul I had a killer Rolodex where I came from because I was doing, um, I did public policy and communications in North Carolina. And I knew, I knew my Rolodex was like 4,000 people. I knew not one soul, but my, the question I asked myself was with technology, can you do this from, from a place again? And that's what I've done for 20 years. Um, and now we have all these great tools like LinkedIn, but I do caution people that they're just tools. Real relationships are based on mutual interest um, and not only your interest. It, you know, I really have enjoyed, nothing has ever made me more fulfilled than helping others achieve their goals. And you know, it's it's just the best reward ever. And what I really love about the commitment I made to do what I did over the capital piece is to see an entrepreneur exit, to see them. I mean, to see the kids that pitched. I used to be very involved at University of Montana back in the day with their business plan competition. It was a small sort of know nothing competition. And now it's one of the best in the country. It's we give, you know, $50,000 in prizes. It's you know, I'd put it next to anybody's. It's super fun. But, you know, to see a student pitch and then to see a student start a business and then to see them exit and to see them turn around and write a check to another entrepreneur, that's what it's all about. And that was my passion and my goal. And, you know, I have been around long enough to be able to actually see that happen because there are a lot of people who thought I was just a bag of wind when I started talking about equity capital in Montana. And I'm so proud of Frontier Angels and where Pat LaPointe has taken it to now. We are a nationally recognized angel organization and have been from the beginning. We built syndicate networks, which nobody was doing. Angels at the time were only, you know, most angel groups in 2000 were local country club boy men, men's groups. <laughs> and they would go for lunch and, you know, somebody would come pitch. And I mean, it was a very much a social kind of thing. And our fund now is part of a group that is a monthly syndicate that's done out of the Tech Coast Angels, the most successful angel group in the country by ROI. And, you know, I'm very, very proud of the quality of our angel group. And, you know, Mike said to me, I mean, I, I you know, he is, when you are interested in equity capital, nobody's better than Sequoia. And Mike had a stellar career there for 20 years. And so I, when we first started talking, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm down here with a shovel in the dirt, you know, trying to plant seeds and you're up on the rocket ship orbiting the moon. And he said, yeah, but you know what? We both had the same ambition to do it well. 
And I said, well, I can't deny that because I wanted to do it well. And I wanted Montana and, you know, that piece of our infrastructure to be recognized as, as really something special. And we are, and I'm um, very proud of that. But I will have to say, nobody's got a better encore gig than I do. And that's kind of the way I look at it. I told Mike I would do this for nothing because I would, but um, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity just all the way around. And, you know, the other thing I get to do, too, is um, our fund every year on the anniversary of your employment with the firm, we every employee we give away uh, gets to choose where they the firm will give a thousand dollars to a, a nonprofit. And you know, that's very important in Montana. We don't have philanthropy. Mike really believes in that. And, um, and in, in imbibing that in all of our culture and in all of our employees, I gave mine to the boys and girls clubs in Columbia falls, which I'm very happy to support. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty wonderful thing and I'm pretty grateful <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I get asked this question often and I'm, I actually don't turn around and ask it to many people, but when you look at all of the entrepreneurs that you've worked with and business owners, what do you think is one or two qualities that tends to dictate a higher likelihood of success? And I mean, personal qualities. Absolutely. The, the first is integrity. Integrity is everything. And that was it was one of the reasons that I thought it was so important to build the angel community here so that our entrepreneurs could work with business people that had really demonstrated success and they could learn to identify integrity. There are bad actors in the world. I hate that. There are scam artists in the world. I hate that. And you need to have always integrity. The second thing is um, that coachability piece. The very great, greatest entrepreneurs are so coachable in that their passion for their product or their service to succeed so outstrips their ego about what their role is in that. I mean, if you're a scientist, sometimes you're not the best CEO. So definitely coachability. And, and again, that goes to my, you know, my book, The Four Agreements, which is what I live by. And I recommend to every entrepreneur to read. Yeah. Be impeccable with your word. Do your best. Don't make assumptions. <laughs> and, um, oh God, I always, uh, the fourth one always is slow coming to me. Uh, don't take it personally. Don't make assumptions, be impeccable with your word, uh, and always do your best. So those are the four things. And I, I just, I really live by that every day, particularly the don't make assumptions, because once you start making assumptions, you, you, you start closing out possibilities. Um, and you're not always right. And, and we do that too much in this world. So, but the integrity piece is incredible because it will follow you in the business, the personal world. And I, you know, I have said stupid things, I'm sure, but I have always tried to be completely honest with people and um, always try to pay it forward because it always comes back around, always. And sometimes it's like 
bonanza. <laughs> I, I feel that way <laughs> now, which is so fun. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, it's that that having uh, this is this topic comes up a lot too in so many conversations that I have. But that that willingness to help, you know, and that just having a little bit of faith that it will come back around, right, yep. in some positive way. It's hard at first, you know. Oh, it's uh, very to, difficult. <laughs> right? Oh my god, I can remember nights. I mean, as I look back, it just never. I knew what. Okay, always, you know, always begin with the end in mind. And my end game was to like have this angel fund. You know, I had, you know, some check boxes about seeing things happen. But I just said, I'm never going to miss an opportunity to grow this community or whatever, which meant driving to Helena in snowstorms at night. It meant driving to Bozeman like all the time because Bozeman really was ahead of this part of the world for a long time in um, in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. I mean, I've driven a half a million miles in Montana, a good part of that in really bad weather. And um, But I, I did it. I got up at six in the morning and went to little towns and met with economic development groups and talked about the importance of technology is part of our, you know, economic future and, you know, how it interfaces with education. I mean, I get, I do things like this. So my team, world-class researchers and PhDs, right? I get them to do like uh, career days for high schools and and be on panels to talk about, I, I strongly believe you can't be what you can't see. And you never know the difference that one of my PhD, you know, cool, hip, young, right out of graduate school is going to make on a ninth grader at Flathead High School when they talk about the work that they're doing. And like, why would somebody want to spend 14 years at school, you know, in school after, you know, in college getting a PhD? Well, because I'm getting to cure, you know, this disease and I understand, you know, how to build these devices. And, you know, that's just the connectivity to the hard work that it takes. Mike, we have hard problems to solve today. There aren't easy problems. We have hard social problems. We have hard science problems. We have hard environmental problems. And they're hard. And hard things take commitment. And, you know, sometimes this is what I, amazes me about scientists. They'll be working on the most remote little molecule their entire career. <laughs> and and because it, it's hard, it's hard to really understand that. And the tools to do that are changing. So um, I just, you've got to have a long game in mind. And I think I, I told you, we've talked about this earlier because I know you're very committed to health and wellness. And so I never expected it, you know, 65 to have a, senior partner at Sequoia Capital offer me a job in Whitefish, Montana, my dream town. And I, you know, I, mentally I wasn't, I had not really, I've always had abundant energy, very lucky. And that's also a gift I've always had. And, but I want to work another 20 years, but I also know that I don't want to be, you know, mine, I've got to really change my mindset about 
what I bring to the table, because I always used to say, oh, yeah, at the bank, all those old white guys always wrote it over the top. They should have left 10 years ago. Well, I want to be sure that what I do is value adding. And the only way I can do that is to really focus on help, but then also accept that I am sort of post prime. I really don't like learning. I'm not a digital native. You know, I wasn't born with a computer like everybody else on my team was. I mean, they are technical wizards. Um, and so I, I tried not to beat myself up about that, but to also understand that I beachheaded technology in a new way that they won't ever understand. <laughs> but it is a, it, it's really a fun thing to think about, but you know, what do you what will you do with this one wild and wonderful life? And I think living it to the max every day is the best. Oh, perfect. We'll we'll end on that. That was really good, uh, Liz. Thanks, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Um, where where do people find you? Where do you send them to to get in touch? Very, with you? My personal email is very easy. It's Liz L I Z at Liz Markey M A R C H I dot com. And I have to end on this. 10 years ago, I bought my URL and I I felt kind of like vanity about it. But man, am I glad I did because I can always remember my email now. <laughs> so that makes me very happy. But Eric, uh, thank you for moving to Montana. Thank you for yeah. doing this podcast because, you know, it's 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 a network effect. And, and every every place that, you know, we can... Um, spread the the good news. And there's just really a lot to be excited about for our future here in Montana and what, how not only we're going to change the opportunities here, but across the globe. Awesome. Well, thank you, Liz. Ladies and gentlemen, Liz Markey. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.